Katie over the years as the director of New Hope, which is one of our uh, mission partners here at Trinity. I've spent 20 plus years there building relationships um, and working with the people of a remote village that has historically been quite oppressed. As you've probably noticed, though, I haven't traveled there for about two and a half years um, due to the pandemic, but also now due to political unrest, kidnappings galore, um, and what the Haitians refer to as a pay lock, um, a locked country. Um, it's really, really terrible right now. However, uh, my ongoing communications with Haitian partners there on the ground is a daily affair, and it keeps the experience of the people and my time with them over the years at the forefront of my mind. And so naturally, as I was reading our chapter for today, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, uh, I thought to myself, aha, all of this could be summed up in one Haitian word, paukipo. Now, I'm not particularly an anxious person, um, but I am a planner. I am organized and detailed. I know this is a shock <laughs> to you all. Um, and a few years ago, in the midst of a conversation with one of my dearest Haitian siblings named Elia Vin, who also happens to the, be the pastor in Tessali and whose family I stay with in the village and have a goddaughter, all, all the things. Apparently, as we were speaking, I was repeating some sort of concern or questioning some plan. And I'll never forget the moment he stopped me and with clarity and conviction and his very, very big smile, he looked at me and he said, Paukipo. I thought, what the heck are you saying? I said, as usual, when I don't understand something, I, I stop and I ask him what he's saying and have him explain it to me. Repeat it for me, please. And quite confusingly to us non-Haitian Creole speakers, um, at least not as our native language, uh, Haitians, they contract and they merge words together all the time, and it's really confusing. And so he broke it down for me. He goes, pa, askip, ooze. I thought, okay. Which literally means, don't let it occupy you. Or don't let it take up space in your mind and in your being. Don't let it paralyze you. Paukipu is a form of contentment or being joyful. Though I will say this is not to be confused with passivity, okay? And in many ways over the years, I began to notice that this is a way of life in Haiti that sustains the people and really parallels the wisdom of Koheleth that we read here in chapter 5. We're going to jump right into chapter 5 today, and I'm going to be reading the NRSV. You know, this is funny. I was mentioning to Brittany earlier this morning. I was like, there was one Sunday I brought like three Bibles, and one Sunday I brought two, and then I only brought one last Sunday, and today it's now it's all my papers. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get. So I'm going to be reading, but I'm, I'm pausing along the way. I want to expound on a few words here and there to make the text a little bit more full uh, for us and have just a few comments. But um, I don't have a lot to say about it today. Um, here we go. You are welcome to follow along. It should be linked uh, on your e-bulletin if you want to actually look at what the text says as I'm reading, if that's helpful for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near, to listen, is better than the sacrifice offered by fools, for they do not know how to keep from doing evil. 
This first verse is actually a continuation in the Hebrew text, the original text, of chapter 4, okay? It goes with it, and it's referring to what is hevel or chasing after the wind. This section begins to rail against the prosperity gospel or thinking that our best spiritual efforts will result in some sort of quick fix from God. Verse 2, Never be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be quick to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Paukito. Don't let it occupy you. Sometimes I think when we're anxious or have no space for the mysteries of life or of God, we kind of just run our mouths. We try to fill the void, right? This verse also brings some consolation for those of us who struggle to find the words to verbally commune with God. Let your words be few. For dreams come with many cares and a fool's voice with many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay fulfilling it, for he, or God, has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, or kata, which means to miss the way. And do not say before the messenger of God that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your words and destroy or bind the work of your hands? It's all about integrity. In our actions, aligning with our words, our values, our vows, therefore passivity is not an option. With many dreams come vanities, or this Hebrew word, hevel, and a multitude of words, but fear, or the yare, the revere, or to stand in awe of God. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and right, do not be amazed at, or tama, which means to be astounded, stunned, or dumbfounded by the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher and there are yet higher ones over them. But all things considered, this is an advantage for the land, a king for a plowed field. Paukito. You see, those in positions of power are held to a higher power. Interestingly enough, it's not translated quite this way in our text, um, but with, if you look at the Hebrew text, it makes it much more clear that verse 9 says that even the king is subjugated to the land which causes him to work. Verse 10. The lover of money will not be satisfied with money, nor the lover of wealth with gain. This also is vanity or evil. When goods increase, those who eat or devour them increase. And what gain has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of laborers, whether they eat little or much, but the abundance or plenty of the rich will not let or grant them any sleep. I like what the message version says for this line. It says, but a rich man's belly gives him insomnia. Here again, we might criticize Kohelis for failing to recognize that true rest and renewal is not afforded to all who labor like those who hold multiple jobs to care for their families, or those who are enslaved to the systems of violence throughout the world. 
verse 13. There is a grievous ill, a sick evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owners to their hurt or misery, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. Though they are parents of children, they have nothing in their hands. As they came from their mother's womb, so they shall go again, naked as they came. They shall take nothing for the toil that they may carry away with their hands. This also is a grievous ill or sick evil. Just as they came, so shall they go. And what gain do they have from toiling for the wind? Besides, all their days they eat in darkness. The word here for darkness is koshek, which means obscurity, but it's used figuratively many times to mean in misery or destruction, death, ignorance, etc. Besides, all their days they eat in koshek, in much anger and sickness and resentment. This is what I have seen to be good. It is fitting or fair to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil, all the work which, with which one toils under the sun, the few days of life God gives us. For this is our lot. It is our share, our portion. Likewise, to all whom God gives, or maybe better yet translated, permits wealth and possessions, and whom he enables to enjoy or devour them and to accept which is really more like to receive and be sustained by their lot and find enjoyment in their work. This is the gift of God. Verse 20. For they will scarcely brood over, they will scarcely remember or worry or be sad about the days of their lives because God keeps them occupied with the joy of their heart. God keeps them occupied with the joy of of their hearts. Housekeeper, don't let it occupy you. With humility, be content or joyful, but do not confuse this with passivity. Many of you might have remembered we participated in a bit of a research study <coughs> a year and a half ago or so. Um, and so I attended the conference around that. It was called the Religion and Urban Culture Conference, and that was just a couple of weeks ago. At that conference, I was struck by a comment shared by Rabbi Brett Critchever. Some of you might know him. He's from the Indianapolis Hebrew Congregation, which is just up the street. He said this, We, as people of faith in Indianapolis, have been plagued with amnesia. We've forgotten the conversations we were having prior to and in the midst of the height of the pandemic. And as he said that, I thought, I've, I've seen this. I've sensed this myself in the broader society. I think that with all the external forces that we've sustained and over a long period of time and those constant forces being applied, we've been displaced in a way. And now, rather than living in a sustainable way that allows for change, we as a global society have largely succumbed to undergoing the equal and oppositely directed forces to return us to the point we were before. We've forgotten. And while there are pockets of resistance, you might feel this as well. The oppressions of the world are still confronting us. It's exhausting. I get it. 
it's easy to throw our hands up in the air and say, what the Koheleth? Like, it's all just evil. It's all vapor. It's nothing, right? But rather than turning our eyes or burying our heads or merely accepting that horrific things happen day in and day out, we can hold fast to the wisdom of Koheleth sustained through humility and contentment and integrity before God and with our neighbor. My prayer for us as wanderers and wanderers who gather to discover and embody the love of Jesus in the world is that we practice serving and participating, resisting the amnesia, and allow ourselves to continually be shaped by the movement of the Spirit. And that simultaneously, we may proclaim pastasy. Not because we don't care or because we are disengaged, but because God keeps us occupied with the joy of our hearts, sustaining us as we find our place and participate in the unfolding story of God, who is always at work transforming our world. May it be so. Amen.